0: is wealth wake up with dick donahue on kgmi news talk 790 965 fm in bellingham and kgmi.com
1: the opinions voiced in wealth wake up with dick donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC. A registered investment advisor.
2: Good Saturday morning. Dick Donahue with you Wealth Wake Up Live here on KGMI. Thank you, as always, for being with us little programming, couple of programming notes I guess I should throw out here to start today. Uh, first of all, uh, very privileged to have Patrick Connor, who's the State Director for the National Federation of Independent Business. Uh, he will be joining us next Saturday uh, for Saturday morning's show and bringing us up to date on the small business legislative update. Taking What's taking place in the state legislature? and then today at the half break after 11:30 news we're going to be joined by Todd Myers. Todd Myers is the environmental director for the Washington Policy Center and uh, <coughs> he'll be bringing us up to date on a few things including the CO tax, CO2 tax I should say. And he'll also have some information on the legislature the the state supreme court income tax hearing this week, and so we're looking forward to Todd joining us in about 20 minutes here today. Let's start out with this week's weekly wrap. The January rally did not slow down this week as investors digested a slate of market-moving earnings results and data releases. The positive bias had the S&P 500 maintain and extend its position above its 200-day moving average. Things got started on an upbeat note on Monday after a Wall Street Journal article over the weekend highlighted the possibility of a Fed pausing its rate hikes this spring, along with a recent survey of businesses by the NABE that conveyed a lower possibility, 56 percent versus nearly two-thirds before, of the U.S. being in a recession or entering one. The market hit some turbulence, however, on Tuesday, with a lot of aberrant stock prices for a number of New York stock exchange listed stocks. The aberrations led almost instantly to volatility halts and with market participants and observers wondering what was happening. The official explanation turned out to be an exchange-related issue. That issue fortunately got resolved quickly and stocks soon returned to trading in a normal manner. The New York Stock Exchange declared a number of trades as erroneous from Tuesday morning, and some trades were busted that traded outside of the trading bands. Market participants were also digesting some disappointing earnings guidance from the likes of 3M, Verizon, Union Pacific, and General Electric, along with the news that the U.S. filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google over alleged dominance in digital advertising. The defense-related companies, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon Technologies, reported pleasing quarterly results, which helped offset some of the other weaknesses. There was also an element of geopolitical angst in play midweek after Germany and the U.S. reached an agreement to supply tanks to Ukraine for its fight against Russia. The price action on Wednesday was integral in keeping the rally effort alive this week. Valuation concerns following Microsoft's disappointing fiscal third-quarter outlook and expected growth deceleration for its Azure business fueled a broad market retreat to kick off the session. But investors had a negative reaction initially to results and or guidance from the likes of Dow Component Boeing, Texas Instruments, Kimberly-Clark, Norfolk Southern Railroad, and Capital One, which went against the grain after its earnings report of sentiment started to shift, however, when buyers showed up fairly quickly after the S&P 500 slipped below its 200-day moving average. Most stocks either narrowed their losses or completely recovered and closed the session with a gain. But following Wednesday's strong reversal, Tesla reported strong quarterly results and outlook, which drove a continued rebound in the mega-cap space, and Chevron announced a massive $75 billion stock repurchase program announcement. There was also a slate of pleasing data releases on Thursday morning that helped support a positive bias. Namely, the advanced fourth quarter GDP report, weekly initial jobless claims, and December durable goods orders all came in better than expected. And the upside move accelerated in the afternoon trade, likely driven by some short covering activity and a fear of missing out on further gains. Rally uh, continued on Friday, despite Intel reporting ugly results and guidance, KLA Corporation issuing below consensus guidance, Chevron missing in earnings estimates, and Hasbro issuing a fourth quarter profit warning. And market participants received some relatively pleasing initial inflation data in the December personal income and spending report. Briefly, the PCE price index was up a tenth of 1% month over month, while the core PCE price index, which excludes food and energy, was up three-tenths of 1% as expected. That left the year-over-year changes at 5% and 4.4% respectively, versus 55 and, and 4.7% in November. There was a sharp pullback ahead of Friday's close, however. Market participants most likely wanted to take some money off the table following a big run ahead of a big week of market-moving catalysts next week that will include, among other things, the FOMC decision, that's your Fed decision on Wednesday, earnings reports from Alphabet, Meta Platforms, Apple, Amazon, and followed by the January employment report. Only two S&P 500 sectors registered losses for the week. Utilities were down a half a percent, healthcare was down nine-tenths of one percent, while consumer discretionary was up six point four percent, information technology up four point one, communication services up three point three, and those le- sectors led the outperformers. The two-year Treasury note rose one basis point for the week to four point two one percent, the ten-year note yield rose four basis points for the week to three and percent. So year-to-date, the Dow Jones and average industrial average is now up 2.5%. The NASDAQ index is up 11, the S&P 500 is up 6, and the Russell 2000 is up 8.5%. Let's take a look at some of our high-frequency data that we track. We saw that initial jobless claims as of January 20th were 186,000. That was a continued decline down 3.1% from the previous week. Continuing jobless claims, as of the 13th of January, 1675000 That was actually an increase of about 1.2%. And box office receipts, as of the 26th of January, down almost 40%, 37.7%. Rail car traffic, as of the 20th of January, down 3.8% after a couple of really big weeks of increases. Hotel occupancy, as of the 21st of January, was down 1.1%. Hotel, uh operational state of restaurant industry as the 26th of January was down 3.3%. TSA checkpoint data as of the 26th of January, 1,880,273 passengers a day going through the TSA checkpoints. That was down 3.9% week over week. The supply of motor gasoline as of the 20th of January increased slightly. It was up 1.1%. And global commercial flights as of the 26th of January, 102,736 flights a day. That was down 1.7%. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here on KGMI. We'll be back in a minute. Looking forward to Todd Myers joining us at 1130 today.
3: A fine wine, your favorite jeans, a drop-top Chevy. So many things get better with age. Unfortunately, your furnace isn't one of them until now. With Barron's Payback Program, you can earn up to $1,500 in combined savings when you upgrade to a new high-efficiency furnace. The older the furnace, the more you'll save. And spoiler alert, two lucky customers will win air conditioning. That dinosaur in the garage has been keeping you toasty for decades. But as much as 40% or more of its energy could be wasted, yikes, that old furnace is costing you money. So call Baron and save up to $1,500 when you trade in your old model. Plus, two lucky customers will win free air conditioning, including the customer with the oldest furnace. Good things really do come to those who wait. But don't wait too long. Call today. Baron's payback program is going on now through February 28th. Baron. Your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives.
0: No purchase necessary. See baronheating.com for details.
4: DeWarden Bodie's annual red tag sale is on now with markdowns up to 40% off on Whatcom and Skagit County's best in-stock selection of appliances, mattresses, and barbecues. Find special red tag savings on hundreds of models with many prices too low to advertise. Laundry sets, refrigerators, wall ovens, cooktops, ranges, and so much more are on sale and ready to deliver. This weekend, visit a DeWarden Bodie showroom near you for special in-store coupons, like an extra $100 off select Whirlpool laundry sets, $100 off select in-stock barbecue grills from Weber and Traeger, and $100 off in-stock mattress purchases. Plus, get no-interest special financing for 24 months on qualifying in-stock orders. Visit the Bellingham Appliance and Mattress Showroom on Meridian next to Home Depot, the Bellingham Appliance Outlet Center on Hannigan Road, or the Appliance Showroom in Burlington next to Costco for red tag savings and special in-store offers this weekend. Shop and save during DeWard & Bodie's annual red tag sale on NOW. Financing See qualifications apply.
5: The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. And I'm
0: proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free
4: And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I'm glad
2: So 733-1200 and check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, got a whole bunch of reports that we follow on a regular basis. And one of them, one of them I know is kind of some good news. We saw that mortgage rates actually slipped for the, or went down, I should say, or slipped downward for the third straight weekly decline to 6.13%. The average for a 30-year mortgage was uh, 6.15% a week ago, according to Fred V. on a statement they issued Thursday, now 6.13%. The housing market has started to show signs of increased buyer interest in recent weeks as borrowing costs have ease, according to developers and, and builders. Sales of new homes climbed for a third month in December, according to data. government data, showed on Thursday. Mortgage rates continue to tick down as a result of purchases. Demand is thawing from a month long freeze that gripped the housing market, according to Sam Cater, who's FedEx chief economist. He said potential home buyers remain sensitive to changes in mortgage rates, but ample demand remains remains fueled by first time home buyers. They said that buyers are still paying more on an average than a year ago, in fact, quite a bit more. At the current 30-year mortgage average, a borrower with a $600,000 mortgage would pay roughly $3,647 a month. That's about $936 more than they would have paid a year ago when rates were 3.55%. Again, rates now are 6.13%. And we also saw a notice come out this week that we're seeing a that IRA hit uh, assets, have hit $14 trillion, that they continue to be big business, according to a report from Sorelli & Associates. The IRA's assets rose to $13.9 trillion at the end of 2021, according to the report. U.S. markets retirements in 2022, the role of workplace retirement plans in the war, in the war for talent, Making them still the largest segment of the retirement market, so $13.9 trillion. And they are, they're, they're, they're increased from 31 percent in 2011 up to 38 percent of all retirement assets in 2021, according to the research. It expects IRA market share to expand about 41 percent by 2027. And most of the asset growth, from, grow, growth comes from defined contribution plan rollovers, which sent $2.9 trillion into IRAs between 2016 and 2021. And the exceptional market cap capital market performance experienced during this five-year period translated into higher 401k account balances. And for many higher balance participants nearing retirement, it was with rollover balances as well. And, of course, down year that we had last year in 2022 is going to soften the growth some, but we're still expecting to see and continue to see control in IRAs as retirement takes place and retirees want to roll that money over into where they can make more money. And I get these questions all the time because I talk about claiming Social Security and I had one the other day that came in and he said, He says, are my Social Security benefits reduced if my ex-spouse claims under my record? Of course, that's always an interesting question. We get that one quite a bit. And he just said he was curious. He says, if an ex-spouse claims Social Security benefits under a former spouse's work history, does the amount that is paid to the spouse with a higher Social Security amount, including in this case me or him, get reduced? And, of course, there basically is no connection between the benefits. You know, I've actually seen in some cases where we've seen multiple ex-spouses collecting on one worker's record as ex-spouses, and there are no consequences on the other person's benefit. It's also true that you won't even know when or if your ex-spouse is receiving benefits based on your work history unless the, same, same, unless the person at Social Security Agency lets it slip on a phone call. Sometimes, however, ex spouses have to cooperate to make sure that they have their social security number in hand before the divorce is final. But again, a person had to have been married for at least 10 years before they can go out and claim on that other person's social security. And I like to get these reports all the time and kind of interesting wallet hub comes out with uh, constant updates uh, different things this one they came out with was about the 10 des- best states for retirement living and uh, basically said that where retirees live they can have a significant impact on their health and their quality of life and their finances and the study focuses on states off the best and the worst environments for retirement or for retirees taking into account a total of 47 different database uh Points. There's three broad categories health care, affordability, and quality of life. And finding the best states to retire can be difficult without doing a lot of research, according to Wallet Hub. Even the most affordable areas in the U.S., most retirees cannot rely on Social Security or pension checks alone to cover all of their living expenses. They said Social Security benefits increase with local inflation, but they replace only about 37% of the average worker's earnings. The report also emphasized that finding the right location for retirement is critical, considering that 25% of non-retired U.S. adults haven't saved any money for retirement. In addition, they said only 40% of non-retired adults think that their retirement savings are on track. So let's talk about these 10 best states to retire. Number 10 on the list this year, and some of these are a little bit surprising, partly because of their physical location. You'd think that they'd all want to go down to these sunshine states, but number 10 on the list happens to be North Dakota. Number nine on the list, not uncommon for people here in this area because I know a lot of them have done that, have moved to Idaho, and they actually have the third lowest property crime in the nation. They also are rank about, 15th for affordability, so Idaho actually ranks pretty darn good. Number eight in the country was Minnesota, and uh, it's also ranked first in the nation for health care, third for life expectancy, and second for quality of life. But they also, as far as affordability, they ranked 40th, but number eight in the country, Minnesota, another northern country again, another northern state. Number seven was South Dakota. They have the second rankest percentage of pe- uh, uh, highest percentage of people over 65 and in, that are still in the workforce, but they also rank ninth in health care, relatively high. New Hampshire is your number six best place to retire. Uh, fifth in quality of life, 30th in affordability in uh, its health, but it also has the nation's second lowest property climb rate. And number five is Delaware. Second in taxpayer-friendliness, also sixth for affordability. Uh, number four, Wyoming. It is ranks the fifth for affordability, ninth for quality of life. However, 38th for health care. That's not all bad because right next door you got a couple states that rank really good. And in this case, number three is Colorado, which, which actually ranks number five for health care. So it's not like you can't get it if you live in some place like Wyoming. And so number three in the country place to retire would be Colorado. And the number two best place, this is going to surprise some people, is Florida. We hear about Florida all the time. Well, they actually rank second. And they have the second highest percentage of people over 65 and older in the workforce. And number one, which also was very surprising, was Virginia. Now, where does this lead us? Well, then it leads us down to another report that came out on the ten worst states to spend retirement. A lot of different reasons. But to make a long and short story of it, while Virginia and Florida landed in the top of the list, the state of Washington ranks 43rd. It's also the seventh worst state for retirement. And its overall scores, states earned a ranking of affordability, quality of life and health care. Washington is modestly unlike quality of life, health 13th, healthcare 23rd, We've got 45th for affordability. Um, they also, aside from those three main categories, they found Washington ranked 49th, the second worst in annual cost of home services, and they also are the fourth worst for property crime rates. Some interesting numbers there if you want to. Find out why maybe people are leaving the state of Washington. And we come back, we're going to be joined by Todd Myers, and maybe we'll see a few more wanting to leave after we get done with our next report. Thanks for being with us. We'll be right back.
0: For quality done right, call Honkoop Gravel.
6: They use state-of-the-art technology to get your job done in a timely, accurate, and economical way.
0: For projects as small as refreshing the driveway and as large as a multi-million dollar builder-ready plat development. Their services include multi-unit site preparation, fireline installation, drainage systems, house foundations, and more. They'll do custom projects, too, turning your dream idea into a reality. If you need site work, you need the team at Honkoop Gravel in Linden or
3: at honkoop.com.
0: Radio Real Estate with Mike Kent. Every Saturday, I break down what's happened in the market. More importantly, I share expert insight as to what you can expect next with your Whatcom County real estate investment. Radio Real Estate is sponsored by Linden Sheet Metal and Windermere Real Estate. 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com.
1: Why West Edge Credit Union? Because they're all about the community. Of course, I like that West Edge has low interest rates and loan specials. But what I really love is that West Edge partners with local nonprofit and City of Bellingham organizations. Plus, they put on events like Community Shred. And they talk to me like I'm a real person, not an account number. West Edge really cares.
0: Join West Edge Credit Union today. West Edge is federally insured by NCUA. West Edge Credit Union, on the corner of Jameson, Alabama in Bellingham. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com.
1: CBS News special report, calls for change after videos were released showing Tyree Nichols getting punched, kicked and pepper sprayed repeatedly by police during a traffic stop. He died three days later. Protesters were out last night in Memphis. Let
5: this be the blueprint to help for anything else
2: that happens similar to this to follow what we do here in Memphis. And maybe things get better, check who they just put into these police academies, because it's crazy.
1: And in New York. A lot of pain,
4: a, a lot of anger, rightfully so. Uh, I think here in New York, we should also you know, try to figure out how we can be better.
1: Nichols' mom begged for peaceful protests. President Biden spoke with her. I'm
3: obviously very concerned about it, but I think she has
1: made a very strong plea. She's obviously in enormous pain. The president said he was outraged by the videos. Vice President Harris calling for an end to police misconduct. CBS News Special Report. I'm Stacey Lynn. 'Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land.
2: God bless the USA. Welcome back to Lovely to Live to Johnny here with you this Saturday morning here on CJM. Trying to get back on my chair. Got the cord wrapped room the leg down here. Here we are. Okay. During the break, we've had Todd Myers join us. So. Todd Myers is the, I'll let Todd give us his exact title. Uh, I know that you're over at Ocean Shores this week for Roanoke, so welcome, Todd, for breaking away from your conference over there. Tell us what's going on and what is Roanoke and what's going on, and then let's get into our topic today.
6: Yeah, well, thank you for having me. So yeah, I'm uh, at the Roanoke Conference. The Roanoke Conference is the largest center-right conference in Washington State. Um, We have uh, almost 600 people actually here in Ocean Shores, Uh, legislators, activists, lots of really interesting people talking about issues. Uh, We just talked about um, conservation and a conservative approach to conservation and the environment. We also have education and a variety of other things, but it's just a really great event. And if people haven't been, it's um, every year at the end of January or before February. It's the week between the... Usually, the week between the um, uh, NFC and AFC championships and the Super Bowl this year, it's on top of it. But that's kind of the range it's in.
2: And I guess if people haven't been, they should come. I'm sorry? They try not to compete with the Super Bowl.
6: (laughs) Well, you know, for so many years, the Seahawks always had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So we didn't want to conflict with that. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: That's (laughs) interesting. Hey, so so Todd, uh, give us a little bit on what your job is, what, what your title is, and a little bit on Washington Policy Center.
6: So, yeah, so I'm the environmental director at the Washington Policy Center. The Washington Policy is a center-right, free market, um, public policy think tank, but we're nonpartisan. We work with both Republicans and Democrats on a range of issues, and we uh, I do environment, of course, and we have other folks who do transportation, health care, um, government reform, um, education. and all of these areas, we recommend public policy primarily at the state level, but sometimes the local and sometimes at the national level. Um, to improve that and give people more control over their lives, but also address um, these important issues and and in working in environment, I try to uh, remind conservatives that sort of personal stewardship the you know a personal attachment to the environment is the best way to be a good steward and outsourcing environmental issues to politicians. We often see that we spend a lot of money and it creates big government, but it often doesn't solve the the problem. And so I think too often conservatives are afraid to say that they care about the environment because they're worried that that is a sort of a surrogate for big government, but it it doesn't have to be true. And the best solutions are actually local, personal solutions.
2: So uh, before we get going on our topic today, Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about what's happening with gas taxes, et cetera, uh, let's talk a little bit. I know that you were going to get an update on the Policy Center's view of what took place Thursday at the state Supreme Court regarding the uh, State excise tax, not an income tax hearing.
6: So, yeah, some of my uh, my colleague, Jason Mercier, uh, works on government reform and taxes. Um, And Washington state has a distinction of being one of a few states that doesn't have an income tax. And that's really attractive. Um, It's good for our economy. It's good. Actually, it's good for tax revenue because our taxes are more stable. They don't go way up and way down um, like other states do who rely on an income tax. But it also attracts investment because a lot of people want to invest here because they don't have an income tax. Well, um, unfortunately, there are some Democrats who want to change that, um, and so they passed what's called a, a, a capital gains tax. But they claim it's not an income tax, and the reason they claim that is that Washington State's constitution says that you can only have an income tax that is a flat tax, and they don't want a flat one. They want a, uh, they want one that taxes. You know, um, uh, progressive. So uh, they essentially were dishonest about what it is. And now it's at the state Supreme Court to determine whether it's constitutional or not. The lower court ruled that it was obviously an income tax. Um, but uh, now it's at the state Supreme Court. And my colleague, Jason, literally went to every other state in the nation and the IRS to ask them if capital gains taxes are an excise tax which would be legal under the Constitution, or an income tax, which would be illegal. And every single one of them said, of course it's an income tax. So we're hopeful that if the Supreme Court follows the logic of literally everybody else that we will prevail.
2: Well, let's hope so. I I know that there's already bills in this legislature because I follow a number of different sources of legislature, including updates from from the Policy Center. Uh, There's already legislation that will expand upon the yeah. uh, income tax, excise tax, whatever you want to call it, in the event that the uh, state Supreme Court decides that it is legal. so uh,
6: Well, that's that's right, and they always say, oh, no, 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 we're just going to tax the rich, we're not going to tax you. But the, the existing capital gains tax, like I said, it was overturned by the court. So it's not even in effect, and they're already – um proposals to expand the tax remove the minimum limit um and make it apply to basically everyone so it's mm-hmm. uh it, it, they they couldn't even let it you know uh be in uh, effect for a year before they started to expand it so people know the game that's going on
2: okay well you did a really interesting uh, interview the other day with Brandy Cruz on Cairo, which caught my attention, <laughs> and that's the primary reason that I called and asked if you would join us today. Uh, let's talk about what's going on with the carbon tax and all the other good stuff. I know you put out a piece on it here on uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, talking about uh what was going on? I found it rather really interesting. I pulled out a gas slip, uh, I think, from the 3rd or 4th, 3rd or 4th of January, and I paid $2.99 for gas up at Costco here in Bellingham, which at the time was one of the lower prices, I think, in the area, especially up here, but I think maybe even in the state. And uh, I happened to fill up last night at uh, $3.47 a gallon. So that calculates out on my side at $0.48 cents a gallon since the early part of January. Your, your piece that you came out talked about a $0.25 a gallon increase since the tax took effect. Let's talk about what's going on. This is in your ball court now.
6: Yeah. So two years ago, um, the uh, Democrats, the majority, voted for a tax on carbon dioxide. Um, And since gasoline, uh, every gallon of gas turns into 18 pounds of CO2. It's basically just a tax on gasoline. It's also a tax on propane, natural gas, other fossil fuels. And the purpose of it is to drive the price of fossil fuels up so that people have an incentive to switch to energy that doesn't emit CO2. So it just took effect in January, and we said that it would increase the price of gasoline. Um, and there's a variety of estimates, and it's not it's not just like a normal sort of gas tax where they say 10 cents a gallon or 20 cents a gallon. It is based on uh, permits, and then those permits are auctioned by the state. And since the auction prices will vary on a variety of factors, how that translates to prices at the pump um, is sort of uncertain. So we started tracking it, and what we did is we compared. Washington's gas prices on average to the rest of the West Coast. Um, and then since Idaho is not the West Coast, I thought I would throw in Idaho using AAA data. So uh, using how come you don't US- include
2: California in there?
6: Well, so we removed California because they also have a carbon tax and their um, prices are very volatile. So the U.S. Energy Information Administration actually has several things that they track, and one of them is West Coast, and one of them is West Coast without California. And the reason they do it is the same reason we wanted to do it, which is California is very volatile. They have a lot. They're very different. Um, And so they're kind of an outlier. So anytime you're trying to compare something to a baseline, try to remove the outliers. So that's what we did.
2: But yet I think what's happened in California kind of gives us a baseline or something to look at and say, well, if it did this in California, then we could expect similar results in the state of Washington because of the tax.
6: That's exactly right. And the state of California is very honest. They say that their um, similar system, we have a very similar system to ours, has increased gas prices by 21 cents a gallon. That's the state of California saying that. Interestingly, Governor Inslee and the Department of Ecology here deny that it will increase prices, and they say if it does, it will only be a few pennies. Well, that's absurd that, that nobody who has this system, no energy economist, says that that's true. The governor is the only one who is saying that literally anywhere, like I said, even the state of California, very candid to admit it. Again, that's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to drive the price of gasoline up so people use less of it. So we started tracking it on January 1st, comparing it to the West Coast without California. And what we found was that it has increased 25 cents a gallon compared to those other states. And the reason we do that is because lots of things can influence gas prices, markets, you know, wars, uh, you know, economic shocks, lots of different things. And so if you're trying to get a baseline compared to the neighbor states and see, okay, what's happened here that's not happening there? And it's very clear that prices have shot up in the first three weeks of the year um, in a way that hasn't happened in any of our neighboring states.
2: So you had an example, for example, Oregon, $0.17 cents a gallon difference.
6: Yeah, so actually what happened is that it went – yeah, so Washington's prices have gone up 17 cents a gallon, but Oregon's prices have gone down – Eighteen or eight cents, I think it is, if I remember correctly. No, you so had that's 7 a,
2: that's you a, had seven cents in the release that you put out. So difference of twenty-four yeah. cents,
6: anyway. So twenty-four cents, yeah. So on average, twenty-five cents, and against Oregon, is twenty-four. So their prices went down, our prices went up. So people, you know, some people say, "Well, I haven't seen prices go up twenty-five cents a gallon." It's like, yes, you may have only seen them go up, you know, seventeen or twenty cents a gallon, but. Our prices should have been going down because they are in both Oregon and Idaho and elsewhere. So that's where we get the 25
2: uh, cents a gallon. Okay, Todd, we need to take a quick break here. Yep. And so we come back. Let's go ahead and talk about, we'll include Idaho and then uh, some comments uh, about Ukraine and President Biden and some of the other stuff that we see going on with the COV. Very good. Thanks, Todd.
5: That storm was intense.
0: I can't believe it took down all those trees.
5: Yeah, especially the one that came through our roof. The whole thing needs to be replaced.
0: Who did your brother use last year?
5: Wasn't it like Justin's? Jostons! He's still bragging about how fast, affordable and professional they were. And I gotta admit, Joston's roofing really improved the whole look of his house.
0: Well, the longer we wait to get someone out here, the worse the damage inside the house is gonna get.
5: You mean you're not calling your buddies to help you replace it yourself? Heck no.
0: A job like this needs professionals. We need a roof that'll hold up to Northwest weather and comes with a warranty.
5: Agreed. Searching Jostin's Roofing.
0: I think it's Jostin's.
5: Look, Jostin's says they give free quotes, are licensed, bonded, insured, and are a family-owned and operated business with over 20 years serving Northwest Washington. I
3: still say it's Jostin's Roofing.
5: It's Jostin's, spelled with two O's. Just call 815-ROOF.
3: This is Steve Berger, Lead Counselor and Director of Contact Counseling Recovery Services. Despite being a fourth-generation Whatcom County resident from a solid, established
2: family, when I was struggling with alcohol and drug addiction, my family didn't know where to turn to help. By the grace of God and a recovery program, I was able to get sober and have devoted the last 34
3: years of my life helping others find recovery from addiction. If you or a family member is struggling with substance abuse, please contact us at 360-671-3277 or contactcounseling.com. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on Around the world and in our hometowns And that someone is us We are free radio We are always there We are broadcasters Visit wearebroadcasters.com Or text radio to 52886 To learn more Furnished by NAB and this station
4: If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all my life And I had to start again just my children and my wife.
2: Welcome back to Welp Awaken Live, Dick with you this Saturday morning. got questions for us, you can always give us a call, 360 733 1200 And we have with us today Todd Meyer. Todd is Todd is the Environmental Directory Director for the uh, Washington Policy Center. And we are specifically talking about the carbon tax legislation that passed a couple of years ago in the state of Washington and what the impact is going to be on the price of gas, what we're seeing already since that uh, gas, that tax takes effect here. I think there's going to be an auction coming up and some other things. We're also seeing some differences in prices between states of Oregon and Idaho, Let's so go ahead and talk about what you saw over in Idaho there a little bit, Todd, as well.
6: So it's very similar to Oregon. It's slightly more. It's about twenty nine cents a gallon, and so we like to use the Energy Information Administration data because it's a good government source and their data are pretty good. We use AAA data in Idaho simply because the Energy Information Administration, Administration uh, Energy Information Administration rather doesn't specifically track Idaho. But the numbers are very same, uh, very similar. So I think that, you know, the 25 cents a gallon is about right um, on average. And there's there's going to be some margin of error, right, because there's mm-hmm. other factors. But it's very clear that this is being done by the carbon tax and not by other things. The governor um, blamed oil companies and blamed the situation in Ukraine. And so people have asked me about that, and I said, well— if it's the situation in Ukraine, then the impact of Ukraine is only being felt in Washington state because prices are going down in our neighboring states. And he also said that it was, you know, greed of the oil companies, and it was just about them maximizing their profits.
2: Well, in fact, said, his well, quote, maximizing- the quote that I see here is that in his press conference. He blamed the war in Ukraine for increasing gas prices in Arkansas, New York, and Connecticut. <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, is that, of course, we're not, comparing to arkansas new york and connecticut and if it is oil company greed then apparently oil companies are only greedy in washington state they're not greedy in oregon and idaho because they're Uh letting prices go down that's all absurd but then president biden also came out and
2: said that uh, gas prices have been declining since summer and the impact of russia's invasion in ukraine has dissipated so that's uh, right so which 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 one of these politicians do we want to believe today (laughs)
6: <laughs> well, I just think it's, it shows how disingenuous the governor is, and he this is his policy. His policy is designed to drive up prices, but he doesn't want – he doesn't have the courage of his convictions to take uh, the impact of those policies and say, yes, we are driving up prices, but we need to do this because he believes it will save the planet. No, he's not saying that. He's just simply denying there's an impact. And not only is that dishonest. It is dismissive of the harm that people in the state of Washington are feeling. He could admit that, yes, there's a problem and we need to address it. But if he won't even admit that there is a problem, um, then the people of the state of Washington are simply on their own, and, and the governor is not going to help them.
2: Well, he blamed the oil price. He said they jacked up their prices to increase profits. Is that uh, – it doesn't seem well, like, like – why would they jack yeah. them up in the state of Washington but not Oregon and Idaho?
6: That's exactly right. They're responding to the taxes. And look, there have been numerous economic studies that show that when you increase the price of gasoline, taxes on gasoline, prices go up by basically that same amount. This is not confusing. The state of California says this. Energy economists um, at numerous universities say this. Everybody says this. The only person who is in denial is the governor.
2: So then you got the state of New York, uh, Kathy Hochul. She, she wants to put in a cap and grade, cap and invest system like Washington, supposedly. But I read where she wants to mitigate consumer costs. So uh, can you have both?
6: <laughs> you can. But again, that, her, she had several bullet points on her plan. And literally her first bullet point was that we need to set some of the money aside to mitigate the impact on consumers. So the very first words out of her mouth are, this is going to impact consumers, and we need to think about that. Governor Inslee, again, denies that it impacts consumers. It, uh, so everybody else, governor of California, the governor of New York, everywhere else recognize this as an impact. Only people of Washington state are stuck without, you know, an advocate in their governor uh, for the cost that they're dealing. Well,
2: in some ways, though, just following the market, and I fill up my car at least once a week and, you know, in the 70 to $100 range, depending on the price per gallon, I guess. And, um, the timing was probably pretty good for this because I was back down in the sixty dollar fill up range there at the end <laughs> of last year. So uh, all of a sudden, this uh, carbon tax takes effect and the price starts going up. And it's kind of like when prices got down in the two sixty two seventy range or wherever it was. Why, you know, you see it go up again. People are getting used to this, so it's kind of like their the timing on this is pretty darn good as far as uh, uh, politically at least the the average uh, car driver doesn't really realize what's going on.
6: Well, and I don't think it's a coincidence that this took effect right after the election, Um, that they timed it right. They passed it two years ago and then they timed it to take effect right after the midterm elections because they knew that there was going to be an impact. But But, look, I want to make it clear that as the environmental director, I've worked in environmental policy for 20 years. I care deeply about Mm -hmm. being a good steward of the environment, and many conservatives do. Look, if you look at a map and look at where environmentalists live, they tend to live in the cities, and it tends to be the conservatives who live near nature, near the environment. And so I I think what we need to do is not just complain about the bad impacts of bad policy, which there are many. But also say, look, we care and we and we have better ways to do it. And so I've actually written a book, a new book called Time to Think Small, um, and it's all about how small environmental efforts are are better, more effective at helping the environment than big government efforts. Um, so that, you know, for folks um, who are your friends, relatives, or yourself who want to find a way to do a better job to help the environment that doesn't rely just on big government Um they can there's opportunities. And so that's why I wrote that book. And and I think that we need to make that as clear as 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 loudly as we complain about the bad policy.
2: You know, I also noticed that uh, in this uh, coverage you put out, you're talking about the fact that the first auction won't actually take place until the end of February. So we really don't know yet exactly where we are as far as what the tax rates are going to be or how much increase we're going to have and that the current rate may have actually exceeded what the estimates were.
6: Yeah, it's hard to know. So the the State Department of Ecology failed to put the system in place in time um, because the law took effect January first. So um, fuel distributors are assume are they have liabilities. They are uh, liable to pay the costs of taxes on every gallon of gas, of propane, of natural gas that they are selling, but the Department of Ecology can't tell them what the tax actually is until the end of February. Elsewhere, they have had the auctions first so that they would know what the price would be. We failed to do that in Washington State. So February 28th is the auction. We'll have a much more clear idea of what the cost is. So right now, the gas companies are kind of flying blind. So they are increasing prices so that they um, can cover their liabilities, um, but the exact amount um, is unknown. And like it, this is very similar to you know everybody has a, you know takes deductions on their taxes and then they pay next year and mm-hmm. you don't know whether your dedu- deductions are perfect or not because uh, you'll find that you know when you actually do them a year later it's a similar sort of thing so but well, yeah but you but you still owe the taxes <clears throat> and there's still a cost
2: it's kind of back to the capital gains tax discussion we were having the state of Washington plans on collecting capital gains taxes if this law is approved based on what happened in 2022 and yet we don't know we don't know what we're working with so it's it's kind of the same thing so we got a couple yeah. minutes left here todd before we have to get off the air uh is there anything else in the environmental area that you think that should be thrown out here as an area of discussion or an area of concern that uh, uh listeners should have
6: yeah. Like I said before, I think there's a lot of things that we can do to help the environment. And that's what I, I said. I wrote, my, I wrote this book called Time to Think Small um, about those sorts of things. And what you find is that the best stewardship of the land is done by the people who have incentives, uh, who are close to the land, um, and who have the knowledge. So, for instance, I'm a beekeeper. A lot of people are worried about the number of bees that are dying. But what you find is, is that hobbyists like me have the highest rate of hive mortality. And the people who have the lowest rate are the commercial beekeepers. And the reason is is that they look at they have a thousand, ten thousand hives that they look at. And I have four. They have much more knowledge. But the other thing is, if their hives die, they lose money. And the power of free market economics of incentives to encourage good stewardship is more powerful than sort of government mandates or dictates from distant bureaucrats. And that's what we need to do is we need to connect people to the environment through free market incentives, and that's where you get the best stewardship.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I have a tongue-in-cheek all the time. I go to Eastern Washington quite a bit, WSU grad, and go over for a lot of football games. So I always kind of measure by what's happening, whether those windmills are working over by Ellensburg (laughs) or not. And and my my favorite is that if the – Best, the Seattle area wants to go all renewable. Let them do it. And when that elevator gets stuck on the fortieth floor of the Cumbria Tower because they don't have enough power, maybe they'll have a second thought about it. But uh, yeah,
6: or the or the lights in
2: the hospital go out. Well, the lights are right, right. They can't keep the respirators going and all the other good stuff. So, you know, there's got to be some balance here somewhere. And I I know I drive across there and I read a lot of the articles about all the th- all the arguments right now about taking farm lamb out of production and. And and putting in windmill and solar and all the other things and I know you're busy following that all the time so I guess what I would say is refer people to the Washington Policy Center uh, website uh, a lot of good updates on a regular basis they're a very good organization put out a lot of really good information and I think Todd you guys are doing a fantastic job so uh, got any one last hit here we got about 15 seconds or less.
6: Yeah, just go to WashingtonPolicy.org, and we give updates on what's going on in the legislature and on these issues regularly. So we hope it's useful.
2: Great. Hey, thanks for being with us, Todd. Enjoy the conference. Stick down Thank you for having me you. on. we wake up live here on KMI. Don't forget our show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. If you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Thanks, and have a great week.
1: In Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue, are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC. A registered investment advisor.